having almost the same conversations about particular topics with different groups of people. And I thought this isn't good enough. We need to be able to stand up for ourselves. We need to be able to have a platform. And sometimes what was out there simply wasn't enough. It wasn't through a live, the voice of someone who has lived experience and being able to articulate that was really important to me. So I started off very slowly. I didn't really advertise that I had articles on my website. And then as I built up my confidence and I built up the articles and spoke about things that I really um, felt really strongly about, I started to put them up on my LinkedIn, received, of course, sometimes interesting comments, but mostly a lot of support. And as the support grew, the confidence grew. So it's almost as though once you put yourself out there with values that you subscribe to and people can see that you're being your true self, it, it, it just gained momentum and it started to build on itself in a way. And so that's what's really driven me, I suppose. It was that particular public speaking event, even though there had been work being done in the background for quite some time. It was that particular speaking event that really propelled me forward in this direction. Welcome to the True To You podcast, your go-to show for practical wisdom to build a meaningful, creative small business. You'll find content on marketing, mindset, and tons of experts who want to help you grow a thriving small business that you love. My guests are exceptionally creative women building businesses from their zone of genius, all while balancing many other roles in their life. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. I'm very excited for today's guest. She is number 111. And I feel like that's a pretty auspicious number for this person because one is typically the number of leadership and she is very much that. Her name is Darshana Parekh and she's a woman that is on a mission to help you have more courageous conversations and drive equitable changes in the workplace around diversity, equity, and inclusion very important topic and one that we haven't dived into in detail on this podcast and I couldn't think of a better person to speak firsthand to her experiences and where she is going to lead us in the future in this space. Now there's also a really cool side to Dashna that we have been exploring over the last eight or nine months that she's been with us inside Creator Club. And that is what it's like to begin to build your digital presence, your personal brand, your digital resume, if you will, especially if you want to create some authority in a specific part of your work. And in her case, it is in the DE and I space. And she's looking at things like speaking, podcasting, and some other things that I can't talk about right now, but some really cool things coming down the pipeline, which you'll hear about if you follow her after this episode. And so part of what we're also going to discuss today is that journey and what that's been like, because as we know, social media in some respects has an informal nature to it. It can be a little casual and fun and we can inject a lot of personality into it. There's other types of social media like LinkedIn that are a little more serious. And Dashana has been bridging that gap. So exploring how she can show up in a few different places and what that looks like for her. And so that's been a really cool journey that I feel like whether you are a solopreneur and you want to bring more of yourself to the forefront of your business, bring, bring yourself uh, to the front, or perhaps you're in, in a corporate environment as she has been, then you're really going to love this episode. You're going to get a lot of interesting tips and support from Dashna as she has explored 
this part of her work. So without further ado, let's jump into episode 111 with Darshana Parekh. Welcome Darshana to the Trudy podcast. Thank you for having me, Ruby. So the first question I wanted to ask you is actually not entirely related to the podcast, although maybe it maybe it will come up. But you and I are fans of chai, drinking chai tea. We love our chai. And uh, I get my chai from a company in Melbourne, Prana Chai, because it is like the best wet chai, sticky chai going around. And I don't know how um, akin it is to, <laughs> to uh, you know, true to the recipes, shall we say. But I would love to know, because we've talked a little bit about this. You've even brought this up on um, previous calls. What, what do you think makes a standout chai? I know I've also got a few chai drinkers, so they're going to tune into this bit. It's a, I, I love that question because as you know, I need to have my cup of chai every morning. There's, uh, there's no deviation from that process. It's my ritual. And I know you speak a lot about rituals, but the morning chai is my ritual. It is, look, I'll tell you the recipe. It's uh, not a secret. Every single Indian family will have their own nuances and variations on it. But the trick is to Firstly, get your ingredients right. So I use loose leaf tea and I uh, grate a little bit of ginger into it. If you've got lemongrass, you can also put lemongrass into it. You can get chai spices. My auntie actually makes a really mean one. So in fairness, I do have a bit of an advantage, but um, the chai spice then goes in. You bring the water to a boil and if you add any milk or whether that's dairy or non-dairy, but I find bringing the water to a boil first and then lowering it down, then adding the milk and letting it simmer for about 20 minutes is the perfect sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. And then honey or sugar as you like. Mm, Yeah. The 20 minutes, that's, that sounds key. And, and those, uh, all of the spices, uh, like whole spices as well, generally. Yes. I also crush a little bit of fresh cardamom into it. Oh, if you've got yeah. a pesto and yep, yep, that will just change the flavor of your chai. And it's cardamom is a very relaxing spice. So, so mm. even though it's spicy, we say spices also have attributes to them. So we say cardamom has a gentle attribute. So you can actually have it in your hot chocolate, for example, um, before you go to bed if you're that way inclined. And it's supposed to be very relaxing and calming. So, oh, yeah, that's goes a good well with tip. The caffeine, the caffeine yeah. brings you up. Yeah, and the cardamom calms <laughs> you down. I love it, and I guess that's probably why specific spices are put together in certain dishes and things like that. There's a like we could go on a whole tangent around around cooking and maybe this becomes a cooking episode <laughs> or we do another <laughs> conversation about that. I've yet to um try Darshana's food. So um next time I'm in Sydney, I might be knocking on your door for a cup of chai at least. Please, I'll make you a full lunch. <laughs> you make me It'll a full perfect. lunch. And then, of course, there's got to be the obligatory nap in the afternoon. Yes, yes. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Done. Okay. Well, now that your audience has um, has listened to this, I guess suppose I better honour it. Yes, that's right, that's <laughs> right. And, um, yeah, I think I, I actually went off coffee. I've actually got a coffee right here as we speak, so I'm not totally off it, but I, I drink like a half strength coffee. It's just, just enough, just a little pep in the morning. And then I have a couple of chais as well. So probably overall, I'm like back to drinking the same amount of caffeine, but I find that the, the, and I think um, whether it's from Ayurveda or um, wherever the, I guess, the drink originates from in terms of the medicinal lineage, but uh, they say, especially in the type of yoga that I practice, that it's like the all-round tea, as in if you want a tea to support your immune system, to support like gut health and all of these things, that um, drinking a cup of chai a day is really 
Um, and even drinking it throughout the day, I think if you don't have a super high caffeine black tea, then yeah, you, I could find I can drink cups of it throughout the day and I'm not at all bouncing off the walls like I would normally with coffee. So yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we're aligned on this and we've continued to be aligned on this for years. I feel <laughs> Along like the, with our yoga practice. Yeah, exactly. I feel like we could just sit and drink tea all day and chat, but we must get on with with the other amazing things that Dashna is also very adept at, which is um, ju- uh, not just being a lawyer, but also a spokesperson for some really important topics. So we're going to dive into those today. But the first thing that I I guess I wanted to chat to you about in that uh, we through, I guess, through Creator Club, we have some, we have quite a few professional services and that comes from me having a background in architecture and then just through my network, we've got a couple of lawyers, including yourself. And I think this is really interesting crossroads that we've probably been at for a few years now but really social media and I I include things like LinkedIn and social media that they've really really come to the forefront and and grown as we know in the last few years and what's that what that's meant is that I think for professional services you're definitely having a bit of an identity challenge in some respects because it pushes traditional norms it gives you an ability to show up in different ways and uh, it's it's confronting a little bit and I know in conversations even with some of the architects that we have it's like well I really don't I'm not quite sure where I fit with all of this and so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this because I also think that that you've been very smart and you're starting to really use both uh, Instagram and LinkedIn as an asset for you and building personal brand, as we know, um, whether you run a company or whether you're an employee of a company is actually becoming a really key thing. And, and the reality is, is that when you go for a job interview, they're looking I've heard this, that they are looking at all the places where you might show up. You will be surprised. So um, obviously you can have private accounts and share certain things on those accounts. But if you choose to be uh, fairly public and create a, a, a personal brand, it's it's really interesting. And I think it can be a fun thing, um, but it can also be like, oh, how do I position myself here? So I'd love to know what that's been like for you over the last few years. You have a website as well, starting to make that shift. Like, Where did this come about? When did you start to think, oh, this is important? Um, and what it's been, yeah, what it's been like for you? It's a really, really salient question or statement that you've made. And I think one that perhaps a lot of, and I speak, I'm a lawyer, as you said, so I can only relate back to that profession. But one that I think a lot of lawyers in particular also struggle with, in terms of how long this has been going on, I have to be honest and say the last 10 years, in terms of that real initial looking into yourself and having that introspection and saying, who am I in this profession? What do I want to get out of this profession? Am I the right person for this profession? And so a lot of these questions really started for me in my late 20s. And at that point, even then, people said to me, you don't come across as a typical lawyer. And I remember thinking, what is a typical lawyer? Because I'm not sure what a typical lawyer is supposed to be. I'm simply turning up as myself. And I remember also thinking, and I think I spoke about this on the Creator Club podcast where I said I also remember thinking in my early 20s that I wanted to turn up as myself at least from a fashion point of view so the suits fell away quite quickly the dresses came in uh, the hair came out so for me there was a really early point where I knew that I couldn't quite hide myself 
I certainly masked parts of myself and that mask has slowly chipped away and fallen away as I've grown into the profession and as I've grown into myself. And I think that's the ultimate point really where people go, it's not that a particular profession is bad or a particular thing doesn't fit in for me. It's that people start living their own truths, right? They start coming into themselves and onto themselves and unto themselves, sorry. And they start pulling forward their values and what they really believe in. And then they, we've been taught, I think, for so long that our, our personal values sit on one page of a book and our work sits on another page of the book and they never really meet. And that's not quite true because a book is an intermingled product. It has stories woven into it and our workplace stories and our personal stories and our personal values, they're becoming more and more interwoven. And it's especially so with social media, like you said, right? I mean, I will put up things like uh, topics on diversity and inclusion. I'll put up um, some stories that have, that incidents that have happened to me. And at the same time, a few days later, you'll see me going out for lunch with friends. So we're so often taught that we're one dimensional creatures when it comes to our workplaces. And I found that I personally really struggled with that and struggled with that for a long time. And so I've chose, so in my late twenties, I went to a photographer and I said, I don't know what a typical lawyer is, but I do know that I'm myself and I'd love to take some professional photos. And that, those professional photos, my first professional photos that I launched onto my website. And again, at the time there was a bit of fear and a bit of hesitation, right? So of course I thought, oh, my website's going to be for legal information. I'm a lawyer. That's what I'll make sure I put up, but it'll be friendly. It'll be fine. It'll be in simple English. And as I was writing these articles, I found myself not, not enjoying the process and I kept it up and continued and pressed on and gave myself a, a online presence um, and that was facilitated with LinkedIn as well and kept my other social media accounts very private did not post too much on them kept everything very close to my chest and it was probably in 2019 when I did a public speaking event for the in-house council women's network here in Sydney and I spoke on International Women's Day and when I spoke, I felt myself come alive again. I felt myself talking to an audience and I felt myself talking about something that I was really passionate about. And I thought, right, that's the catalyst that I need. And that's the moment that I thought I'm going to put up what I spoke about as an article on my website. And it was those last two years in particular where I've really cleaned it out, really positioned myself as a diversity, equity and inclusion advocate and decided that the law was always going to be there and I was always going to be a lawyer up until I was a lawyer. Um, but for, the, for, for me, the personal and online branding was really showing a part of me and standing up for something that I really believed in and making sure that those personal values were brought up to my future employer's attention, but to anyone as well. And the purpose of them was also to inspire others because I kept having almost the same conversations about particular topics with different groups of people. And I thought, this isn't good enough. We need to be able to stand up for ourselves. We need to be able to have a platform. And sometimes what was out there simply wasn't enough. It wasn't through a live, the voice of someone who has lived experience. And being able to articulate that was really important to me. So I started off very slowly. I didn't really advertise that I had articles on my website. And then as I built up my confidence and I built up the articles and spoke about things that I really um, felt really strongly about, I started to put them up on my LinkedIn, received, of course, sometimes interesting comments, but mostly a lot of support. And as the support grew, the confidence grew. So it's almost as though once you put yourself out there with values that you subscribe to and people can see that you're being your true self, it, it, it just gained momentum and it started to build on itself in a way. And so that's what's really driven me, I suppose. It was that particular 
public speaking event, even though there had been work being done in the background for quite some time. It was that particular speaking event that really propelled me forward in this direction. Yeah. I think that's so, it's so interesting how we often need to, to break the trend or break the mold that one time sometimes can be enough for us to shift our thinking to give us that support we need, like you said, but it's not always going to be there. So what do you think then has you keep going? And because sometimes it might not be necessarily um, lack of feedback or things things change. And obviously with social media, we're, we're also at the mercy of someone else's algorithms and I think of like the Wizard of Oz there's someone in that little control room like (laughs) you know I feel like that's what Instagram and Facebook and all of these things it's like there's like this little man there but you know what has you keep going because I just want to add one one thing to this as well is that you know I've, I've certainly come from a, sim- a similar background, probably not as, um, I guess, a n- little less traditional now than probably what law still is. But certainly you feel like, who am I to stand out? Who am I to be myself? Like, am I going to be ridiculed? Are people going to laugh at me if I wear colored clothes and everybody's wearing black to work every single day or everybody's wearing a suit to work? And and I guess I want to know what has had you keep going because um, you've got momentum now and you're building something really beautiful and you're building a great body of work that it's going to allow you to progress your career and, and potentially move in de- different directions in the coming years. But yeah, sometimes it can be hard to keep going without necessarily always getting that feedback. Yes. And that is something that I have had to work with over some time in terms of my website. And I think, again, it's all about practice, right? I don't I didn't advertise my website a lot. It wasn't even on my LinkedIn, I think, for years. And every time there was, I think, the bounce rate, you can pretty much tell after two seconds, right? So you just went, oh, someone's clearly not interested or even worse, maybe they found the wrong website and went not not interested. But I found that that wasn't something that you could really uh, hang your hat on. And again, you talk about this in creator club which is the the vanity metrics and it can be really easy to look at all of that and say oh i got three likes on my post therefore i'm doing a terrible job not realizing that sometimes the person on the other end might be going through something themselves but the, the lack of interaction doesn't mean that there's a lack of support and that's the one thing i've learned at least in terms of online content it may be a matter of things being put forward and recycled. And just to give you a bit of an example, I know people who don't follow me actively on my Instagram. And yet I also know they've referenced some of my posts and they've said, I really love that last post that you did. And it's clearly come up in their feed or someone sent it to them or whatever the case might be. And I thought, okay, there is a reach out there that I'm also not quite aware of. And that's perfectly fine. And at some point, I think with social media, if you're going to put a public profile out, you have to accept that there's going to be an interaction that you can see and an interaction that you may not see. So I, and you know, I'm, I'm only human. I do look at my posts and tell myself that 10 likes are amazing. Um, but I've definitely learned to put more emphasis on the structure and the rigor of the posts. And that is what keeps me going because instead of saying to myself, oh, and, and I do the Monday morning affirmations on my Instagram. So instead of getting to Tuesday night and thinking to myself, only X amount of people like this, it's time to, it's time to give up. It's no point doing this anymore. Instead, I say to myself, okay, this is what I spoke about last Monday. How do I want to connect this to next Monday morning's affirmations? Um, 
So just moving forward, I think, instead of looking back, at least in terms of those online metrics, the same goes for LinkedIn. I'm a huge LinkedIn user. I, I advocate for it quite a bit. I think it's a really great professional platform, particularly if you're in the services-based industry. At the same time, there is so much content out there. So you simply don't know if you're, and there's heaps of algorithms, like you said, you post at a particular time, at a particular day, and you can do all of that. And for whatever reason, it, it, may, not, it may not hit the person that you want at that time. Um, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't stop. And I found, again, that for me, the consistency and the rigor helps fuel that creativity. And again, I think John mentioned that in one of um, in one of the Creator Club meetings as well, is that sometimes the consistency creates the creativity. And once you're in that flow, it's all about inspiring others. And again, it comes back to that being value-driven, not metric-driven. And in terms of what else keeps me going is also my parents, um, they came to this country to give their daughters a, a better chance at life, a greater education. And any time that I stumble or any time that I feel as though I can't go on, I think to myself, I've had two people in my life who moved countries in their 20s with a little, with a little baby and another one on the way, and they've made it work. So I don't think getting hung up on social media likes is something to something to really complain about. And then the other part for me is also when I was growing up, I didn't have someone who was talking about these issues. And so, yes, there may not be an active like, but are people looking at the website, looking at the LinkedIn and looking at the Instagram going, I'm not in a position for whatever reason that might be, I'm not in a position to like the post or advocate for it or even reach out. But I'm so glad someone's talking about this because at some point I will reach out because I used to do that on LinkedIn. I used to say, wow, this person's amazing. I'm not brave enough to reach out, but I will reach out. And I did eventually. So I am hoping that at some point there will be a sense of inspiration for the next generation coming through and not just lawyers, but the next generation coming through saying, don't be afraid to talk about these issues. Don't be afraid to bring them up in the right way and in the right forum, because we won't change unless we see these conversations happening and they become part of the workplace culture or even Australian culture in general. So that's that's what's key. that that there's a few things that keep me going. Um, but I'd definitely say the the metrics is not one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, unfortunately the way those those platforms are designed is they're gonna suck you into the metrics. It takes a huge amount of self-awareness and self-discipline to not look and I think that's completely okay because at times you do want to look because you do you know you need to you need some sort of measure but I think that what you said there around consistently showing up is going to going to give you a far better measure than one post once a month that you spend so much time on so that you can get all of the likes and and maybe it doesn't get all the likes but it's far better to have that consistency and and I think something really cool as well is that because you've opened up Instagram now as a platform that you're using fairly actively that you're also reaching and this this may this is probably in part to some of the people that you're now surrounded by through the work that we're doing but you're also reaching other women and men and particularly women, I guess, are resonating quite strongly with, with your content too. And so I think there's that, that great opportunity that's opened up for you as well. Why, like you said, why can't this just, why does this have to just be a corporate conversation? Can't this be a conversation for everyone? Interrupting this amazing conversation for a few hot minutes because I've got something on my mind. It's been playing on my mind for a little while that I need to share with you. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is that you're probably listening to this because you love the conversations. There's lots of interesting 
guests that I get to bring on the show, which is great. And hopefully you get some insights that support you in your business journey. But I also imagine that you're probably in that phase of your business where you're also not going fully all in. You know, you're listening to the podcast, you're doing the courses, you're taking bits from here and there and things that you hear friends tell you that you should do. But you're still at that point where you're thinking, how is this really going to grow? How am I going to get to those goals that I really want to hit this year? This is a great year to go all in in your business. This is a great year to get off the fence and start to work on some of those areas of your business that are going to create a really clear mission for you. And when you have a clear mission, you have the clarity to set goals in line with that mission. And then you know everything else that you need to refine whether it be your messaging, whether it be starting an email list, whether it be putting on events, whatever it is that you are going to need, you know the answers, you know where you're going. But the thing is, is that a lot of us, particularly myself, we don't like to reach out for help. We would rather Google our way through the problem. We would try and scroll Instagram hoping that someone might have the solution or like I said we end up on podcasts and books and and we're like kind of getting close to the answer but all of this is not really moving us forward and I've been there and we can be really reluctant to bring in support so If this is feeling like you, if you're someone that is at this point where you want to go all in, but you know that there's some gaps and you're ready to actually reach out and get the support you need, then I would love for you to check out Creator Club. Creator Club is a business coaching membership that... I run with my very talented husband. He is also a business coach and we work with coaches and creatives specifically because we have both come from those backgrounds and we love those styles of service-based businesses. And what we help you do is we help you get a plan in place. We help you get clarity around what your next steps are going to be and where the gaps are. We help you refine your messaging if that's where the work is. We ensure that your client onboarding is really dialed and that you are showing up as the leader that you need to be if that looks like bringing on help in order to do that like a VA or if it looks like hiring team members but you're not sure how to go about that then we are here to help guide you in that process. So if you'd like to find out more about Creator Club I invite you to click the link in the show notes or Pause this and head to createaclub.link, all one word, createaclub.link, and you can find out more about how we can support you in your small business. It is an incredible community of other coaches and creatives who are in the same position as you. They know what it's like to not have a crap load of support when you are building your small business. And they will help you to become a stronger business owner so that you can hit those goals in 2022 so that you can go all in and fall in love with your business. You being brave enough to do that is is really opening up the opportunity. And there's someone that, I don't know if you follow her. Her name's Africa Brooke. She's amazing. And she's been such a strong voice for a lot of women in the last, particularly in the last year. And 
some people will love her work. Some people won't agree with her approach, but um, she provides really interesting conversation around this idea of self-censoring ourselves. And I think something that you alluded to a little bit there was that a lot of people are even afraid to comment or to like or share something because what does that mean about me? They haven't even written it. But these days we're so afraid of what it means to have an opinion on something or, you know, to be left, right, conservative, liberal, it's, you know, whatever that, you know, and, and heaven forbid you take a bit from both sides of the equation I think it's a really interesting time. So I I don't really want to dive into that too much because I I don't feel like I have um, the same kind of experience or that she has around this. She's a great voice on this. So I'd say if anyone's listening to this conversation and thinking, I'd love to dive into this a bit deeper, but I'm too afraid of sharing certain things or saying certain things or even commenting or whatever. Um, Her work is great, really, really great, because I think this is, um, it's like the, the, the dark side of social media. Social media is giving us this opportunity to share, but then for a lot of us, we are holding back because we think that it comes at a cost and, there's a whole lot of other reasons why I think that we find it difficult as well. Um, but yeah, that's that, like I say, that's a whole other yes. conversation. <laughs> I love it though. I will, I will make one point on that, which is, I think we are, I think we are sometimes fearful and I'm not sure if media over the last 12 months or 18 months or however it is, has really turned us into this tribalistic society and to your point where it is well if I'm if I'm supporting this person I can't possibly be supporting that person and it it really takes away from discourse and conversation and that to me is a it's actually quite sad because I think we've forgotten that it wasn't that long ago that you had the likes of the great poets the great authors and you know and I'm not talking ancient philosophers I'm talking poets and authors that we've we've heard of sitting down in a cafe and debating and talking through issues and they were friends Mm. and we seem to have gotten to this point where we as human beings and we as colleagues and friends we can't remain civil if we disagree with each other and I find that exceptionally extraordinary for all the wrong reasons because we we wouldn't have progressed as the species if we didn't have those conversations in the first place so yes a different uh, a different perhaps podcast but something that always interests me as well and particularly in the work that I do I find it is really important to make sure that if you're going to come to these conversations it is with an empathetic mind an open mind and just because you're from camp a doesn't mean you shouldn't be listening to camp b um it's yeah it's something that I've encountered in not only social situations but also workplaces so Mm. interesting topic that you've brought up Mm, mm, yeah yeah but I think I think interesting that you come from a law background and like you say that discourse debate if you will is such a strong part of your training if you will and yet we're kind of moving away from that. And so I think that it's interesting that you being a lawyer and speaking on some of these topics, you can also, and debating doesn't necessarily mean that you just adopt one side and you go hard in that direction, but that I guess we're talking more about the, the, the exchange of ideas and how can we make this better for everyone? Um, And contributing ideas rather than than being so hard in one direction or the other that you just you just ignore everyone else's <laughs> thoughts yeah. on the situation but um I think one thing I'm interested in knowing from you is 
this idea around you being authentic to yourself is something that you've almost grown into more and more and more as the months go by. Um, and it's something that you realized a number of years ago, but yet it's so funny, isn't it? How long yes. it takes us to really <laughs> sit in that place of being yes. okay. Um, what, tell, tell us some of the things that you love to share with people beyond being, being uh, this, the straight down the line lawyer role that a lot of people think should yes. be. Yeah. I, I love sharing lots of things with people. Sometimes I think I share too much all at once, but that's okay because the people who hang around end up being just as quirky as I am. Yeah. I, tend, <laughs> I tend to share things like my yoga practice, my Pilates practice, food, any dessert, my favorite dessert. I'm telling all your audience right now, my favorite dessert is tiramisu. So, oh, yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I will tell people everything. My favorite pair of jewelry is earrings. So if you guys ever want to get me anything and you don't know what, <laughs> earrings are the way to go. And shoes. Uh, and shoes. I love shoes. Yes, I really do. Uh, Ashley Lim is my favorite designer. And I often talk about my hair quite a bit. So there's a lot that comes out in a really short amount of time. And I think it takes people back because I often refer to my hair as my mane. Yes. Uh, for those of you who have seen me, it's grown quite long, actually, and it's uh, it's voluminous, it's thick, and it's its own personality. And every now and again, I say it reflects the mood of the owner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true that. <laughs> I'll I'll tell people quite a bit. I will, I will, and I do that. I do that one to break down the barrier being in-house counsel. One of the things that I learned to do was create relationships and make sure that people were open and honest with me so that I could do my job. But from this current point of view or from where I am at the moment, it's also led me to have those conversations, right? Because if we were talking about it before we started recording, which was the concept of that social currency, if I'm inviting people or asking people to engage in these conversations, I need to, I need to be able to break down that initial barrier. And one of the ways you break down a barrier is usually by telling something of yourself to someone that they wouldn't ordinarily expect. Um, so once again, my favorite color is yellow. And I will often lead with something like that. Or one of the things I love to do if I really like you is I will start asking you very strange questions like if you were an Australian animal, what animal would you be? And then there's the why behind it. So it's not just picking an animal. I ask you to explain the why behind it. And again, the reason I do that is because you often learn so much about people when they answer things, when they have to answer a left field question and they don't expect it from the lawyer. So I find that in order to create these, dare I say, difficult or courageous conversations, you first got to be able to put yourself out there in a courageous way and in a, not, not a difficult way, but in a way that makes people go, okay, if she's willing to talk about these things or if she's willing to break down the barriers, I'd love to be able to talk to her about what's happening at my workplace or what's happened to me and how I might work through these issues. And it's, to be honest, the more I do it, the more it's worked a treat because once again, people are seeing me and they're able to make that decision, right? It's not Darshana the mask, it's Darshana the person who happens to be a lawyer. And I think I might like her and I think I might listen to her and I think I'm going to engage with her because she's got some things to say that have been mulling in my head for quite some time and I want to be able to reach out and talk to her about it. So that's what I've found has really worked. And as you know me, Ruby, I'm a little bit quirky, so I have no problem asking you what animal you'd like to be and why. <laughs> I respect the quirks. I, I, I love that too. And uh, whether it's strategic or not, the great thing about that is that, like you say, in these very serious situations, 
or whether you're having conversations in the workplace that are of a serious nature, sometimes the more serious energy that comes with them, the harder, harder it is for people to actually, like you say, tell the truth or be honest. Whereas, um, and this is really a nervous system thing that you're doing, you're actually allowing them to relax into the situation, relax and be themselves. And that's when we can actually drop our guard and have a decent conversation. Whereas if someone feels like their back's up against the wall and they're being cornered by the lawyer, <laughs> like it's kind of, it's like the lion, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> That's what I call myself, the lioness. <laughs> not that With the mane. <laughs> not that you're like, like Darshan is the, the, the nicest person going around, totally not scary at all, but definitely it could feel like that when some people enter these conversations. So other than that little technique, um, I know approaching difficult conversations is something that you are really an advocate for. It's something that you practice a lot yourself, not just being an advocate and saying we need to have more of these, but it actually it comes as a result of you practicing it and doing it yourself, which I think is so key if you're going to uh, lead these conversations in this space. I think we see a lot of performative activism in the last year where people are just jumping on certain topics because they feel as though it needs to be said or it's popular or this is going to, especially when you're talking about personal brand, going to make you look a certain way in people's eyes, but you're very much someone that has lived a lot of these experiences. And so you're really approaching this from personal experience and uh, practice. So I would love for you to share, you can, you can maybe share a couple of situations if you want, or at least where this desire to break down these barriers around some of the, the issues of diversity and inclusion, how that, how that came about for you. Yeah. And I'll start by saying diversity equity and inclusion is a really big topic and underneath it there's a lot of umbrella so it's an umbrella and there's a lot of topics mm. underneath it and for me I have to be quite honest and say for me diversity and inclusion uh, the passion points for me are women and people of color which isn't to say the other topics under that umbrella are not important it's just they're the ones that I am advocating for I am a woman and I'm a person of colour, so I have lived experience through this. And that is something that I also make really clear because I think, to your point, there is so much tick box exercise happening going around. And that's fine if it's a first step, mm. as long as it's not the only step. Um, so that, I suppose, when I say I'm talking about diversity and inclusion, they're the two topics that I'm really passionate about. And for me, there's been a couple of I'd say small uh, incidents that I didn't even realize were incidents at the time. Um, but one in particular that comes to mind is, or rather a few that come to mind is based on feedback. And I remember, I think this would have been about four or five years ago. I remember sitting with my then manager who said, who, who, who gave me feedback and I had, just completed this project I knew I had done well I had delivered on time it was massive um, you know massive in terms of monetary value and then massive in terms of the construction of the particular project and so I said I think I've done really well I think this this and this I don't know if any of if, if you or any of your audience have listened to Brene Brown's uh, I think it's feel, leading fearlessly or it's the one where she talks about the man in the arena. Mm. And so, so this incident happened and in, in effect, I'll come back to Brene Brown. Uh, in effect, it was, you've done a good job, but. And I thought, oh, why didn't, why didn't you tell me this at the time when the project was happening? Why does it seem like you've banked all this up and are ready to unload on me at the end when everything's been successful 
we're in a room and no one can really counter what you're saying. You're my manager. So there's clearly a power play happening. And it wasn't until I received mentoring again, four or five years later, sorry, three, four years later, that the person who was mentoring was, um, was a male and a person of color and said to me, you do understand that that wasn't feedback. And I said, oh, I don't, no, I don't. I'm always looking for feedback. I want, you know, I want to progress my career. And he said, that was not feedback that you received. That was a form of, in effect, gaslighting. And it was a way to bring you down and to keep you down because you had met your deliverables. You'd done everything that had been asked for you. You've gone over and above and beyond. And this particular conversation was never out to reward you. And so if this manager of yours is saying this to you, imagine what they're saying to the other stakeholders. So my question to you is, what chance do you have at progression? And I remember that conversation so clearly because it felt like a slap to my face or a punch to my solar plexus. Because I'm, you know, I can be upfront and direct I'm also an honest person because I believe honesty is kindness delivered in the right way. And so I never thought to question that someone might want to cut me down, even though that they, even though they were in a higher position. And so that particular point or that particular conversation really made me think about all the conversations I'd had in the past, but also made me question all the feedback I would then receive in the future so that was one incident, and it it was uh, it was a white male that I had that conversation with, and I'll come back to color in just a moment as well. Um, but so that that was that whole Brene Brown moment, right, where you just went, someone is actively not in the arena with me, and also trying to bring me down, and yet is happy to stand there and one look at the quote unquote faults that I had, but also ready to take on the wins that I had achieved for themselves. So that made me question my past feedback and really led me to a few moments, especially earlier in my career when you were dealing with senior associates and partners and you remembered, I remembered certain behaviors and I thought that's, that's not feedback. Mm. Like that was never feedback, but I took it on board and I probably, I wouldn't say let myself down, but I was so honest and so eager to move with my career that I'd never stopped to question why they might be making those comments to me. Um, And then the other one, and this has happened several times over my career, but the other one has been the pronunciation of my name. And so it's not even that people get it wrong, because at least if they get it wrong, it means they're trying. But it's more the the concept of you've walked into a meeting room and people have said, I, this is our lawyer, I can't really pronounce her name. And you think, that's I'm on your team and we're here and you've already created a fracture in the in the dynamics of this conversation. And you know, if they're negotiations. The, the other partner's already gone, oh, okay, you're, you're clearly not aligned. This person doesn't advocate for you. And though they might not say it, just the fact that they, they don't try to learn it or they don't ask and say, oh, Darshana, how do you prefer to be introduced? Because my, um, you know, a name of endearment is Dash and I've had that mm. for years. And so they, the fact that people don't even ask me in a professional setting and say, oh, how should we introduce you? What do you prefer? So, and that's come up quite a bit and I've really started speaking up for myself in that regard because Australia is so multicultural and there's so many people of different backgrounds with different names and we shouldn't shy away from them because the names are beautiful and they've got cultural meaning behind them, but they're also, uh, they're also the first mark of who you are, right? So if you yourself are not proud of your name and won't stand up to correct it, what does that say about the whole concept of difficult conversations? So you've got to be able to stand up for yourself in that regard. Um, and look, it's not, 
it's not easy. It's taken me years and years to do this. And I think people look at my social media and they look at my LinkedIn and say, wow, you've been doing this for years. And I have to tell them and say, it's a lot of practice and a lot of training and training of yourself and backing yourself um, and being able to say, I am worth this. I am worth being spoken to properly. I am worth my time and I am, I am worthy of being here in the same way that you are. Uh, and I know I mentioned something about color before, so I, I will make it really clear and say that just because people are of color doesn't necessarily mean that they are allies. And just because people are white doesn't make them enemies. And that, again, comes back to that whole tribalistic background, right, in terms of when I have these conversations with people, I think people automatically assume that I'm an angry woman of colour who's got a chip on her shoulder and needs to be able to say all these things. And the truth is I'm trying to create conversation around these issues because I can be as angry as I want and it will be a momentary a momentary win for me but it won't be a it won't be a win for the culture of Australia it won't be a win for those who are coming after me who are the next generation and we want to be or at least I want to be able to make sure that these conversations happen now and they start now because in time and this is a very idealistic goal um but in time, these conversations, A, become part of normal conversation or in an ideal world, they fall away, right? Because we've, mm. hit, we've hit equality. We've hit a place where we can have these conversations. We can remedy situations and it doesn't turn personal. It doesn't turn into, oh, well, this person is, you know, whoever they might be, a stereotype um, that usually gets allocated to someone who chooses to speak out and I think I think not acknowledging the consequences would be quite wrong of me um, so certainly there are consequences to speaking out I suppose for me I'm at a point where I am comfortable in speaking out and I'm also very cognizant of the consequences of speaking out so that is something that everyone who wishes to speak on topics of diversity and inclusion, they need to be able to navigate these waters. And to say it's all smooth sailing would be wrong on my part, but to say it's also not rewarding is also wrong because it is, it is so topical and not for the tick box, tick, tick box purposes. It is so topical because we are at this juncture, right? And particularly in corporate Australia, this juncture means do we wait for people above us? I'm effectively middle management. Do we wait for people above us to change or do we want to lead that change? And what does that change mean? And that's not to say that the older generation or older managers or managers, and they're not necessarily age driven, that's not to say that managers are of a particular type or they exercise a particular thought but at the same time being able to we shouldn't have to wait for managers to have these conversations we should be bringing these up to the forefront and we will have to if we genuinely want to change the way corporate Australia looks you know to say oh I will wait until I become a manager or I become whatever the title is that you want in your life by that stage you've probably pandered to your manager and probably perpetuated existing practices, whether they're systemic or cultural. And so, yes, it may be time for change, but it also means that you've probably led your team in the same way. And so the question becomes, once again, how do you want to lead and what kind of person do you want to become? And it's not necessarily about the title or even the claim of leadership. I think it comes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of those values. What kind of person do you want to be in general? And what kind of person do you want to turn up to at work? And for some of us, perhaps it is very corporate. Perhaps there has to be a mask for whatever reason. I know for me and I know for those around me and for those who I have managed, they are looking for that change. They are looking for people who can be... Um, you know, I was, I was reading a book by, uh, it's called Unleashed by, I can't think of the name, Anne 
Francis Frey and Anne Morris. And they talk about this standards and devotion matrix. And again, I think it comes down to the whole, you can still be a kind person and still have difficult conversations and you can still be an employee and raise issues that are not right in your workplace. So again, it's that whole analogy that I said earlier about pages in a book, right? All of our stories are interwoven and we've got to be willing and accepting of the fact that our, our ability to lead isn't dependent on a title. Our ability to speak out isn't dependent on someone giving us permission to speak out, particularly for women, particularly for women of uh, people of colour. We have to be able to speak out because the more we speak out, the more the younger generation speaks out and the more change we drive in an organisation. So it's very difficult. I can't deny that. Just the so the act of having difficult conversations is difficult um, and having the faith in yourself sometimes to speak up is is in of itself a difficult act and one of my articles talks about this because I say before speaking out there's so many things that we've we've tick boxed in our head right are we going to be punished for this in the workplace are we going to miss out on that promotion am I going to be sidelined and the truth is if you are my if, you, if that does happen to you, I suppose my question is, do you really want to be in a workplace like that? So lots of, lots of um, tools and topics, I think, and definitely experiences that have led me to this point. And I'm very comfortable talking about it and certainly telling people about my experiences. Um, and I'm, it is quite sad when you hear that other people have very similar experiences, but it's all the more reason for us to now really get to this point and say, what do we want to do? How do we want to be? And how do we want to change the face of corporate Australia? Yeah, I think that that's almost a perfect place to end the conversation. But one last thing I would love to know on that, and I think that you really, you really articulated that so well for the uh, yes the leaders listening to this podcast but really just being an individual being a citizen being a human (laughs) um, living wherever you live that you have that opportunity and um, as we're seeing with a lot of the changes that we want to see happen not not always are we going to get not always is it going to happen quickly when it has to go through a series of steps if you're thinking like government or even a court a big corporate organization but simply just having these conversations and normalizing them at a ground level that's really because that's that's really what has to happen because that's our day-to-day interactions and that changes how we approach every interaction doesn't it every person that we encounter we have that opportunity. Absolutely. And it ultimately comes back to being empathetic, right? And when you said when someone walks into a room and their guard is up, they're not exercising empathy because they're protecting themselves. So if women and people of colour are constantly protecting themselves at work, they're not going to share their conversations with you. They're not going to talk about what an experience meant for them. And so they keep it closed up. They keep it bottled up. Alternatively, on the other end, you've got someone who is engaging in that conversation and engaging in behaviours that's not allowing this person to let their guard down. And once again, you're you're just embedding systemic practices that you think are right without thinking to yourself, what, why didn't this person speak up or why did this person speak up? And if they spoke up about something so strong and passionate like women's rights or someone of a cultural background then that's something that I've got to take on board so empathy goes a long way um, but I will also say that empathy is a two-way street and again that's something that I've learned in my experience as well is that you have to be willing to have a conversation the other person has to be willing to receive the conversation as well and that that is quite difficult and that is quite hard but we will get there. We will continue to speak out and we will continue to make change and create change. And that is, that is something that I'm looking forward to over the next few years.
Is there anything else that you want to share that's exciting you about 2022? I think this this episode will probably air in the new year. So I think it's a perfect time to ask this question. Yeah, what, what are you excited about in this coming coming year for you personally and how you're going to grow this conversation and in the public eye I'm excited about next year I can't believe I'm saying that I have taken inspiration from you and (laughs) am going to do Instagram videos so I'll be interviewing a few people I'm hoping to get a few big names in there but if not that's fine and the purpose of these conversations is again to expose people to lived realities of women and people of color in particular which isn't to say that I won't be speaking to people of white backgrounds or Caucasian backgrounds so that's the one thing I'm really looking forward to getting in front of the camera and getting in front of the speaker and talking to people and again bringing human conversations to life not just an incident that happened in a workplace it is something about someone's whole experience right and that's what I've learned from my own my own social media my own website when I look at it 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 isn't it is multifaceted it is so much of me that can be distilled down and yet At the same time, there's so much more to me. And I think that's the real key to these conversations is that, yes, you can frame them in a particular way. And yes, you can say it's only about women and it's only about people of colour. But the truth is, that's another wide topic under which there's so many other subtopics. So I'm really looking forward to getting in front of more people and speaking to them and bringing their stories to life with a view to changing what we might look like as a as a uh, society and what we might change in terms of our conversations and a lot more articles on the website so keep an eye out on that as well amazing amazing we will pop all of those links and those conversations that will happen on instagram make sure that you are following darshana over there too um this has been a, a really beautiful conversation and I am so grateful for your friendship and your mentorship in some ways on these uh, conversations and, and what you've brought to certainly to create a club but to my life when it comes to bringing these things up and bringing them to the surface and I really appreciate you Dashna for leading us in this space it's um it, I yeah I can only see amazing things on the horizon for you